0: Podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? You're watching episode 170 of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about Sundays games uh, in the PLL. We talked about Friday and Saturday's games in uh, Sunday's episode. So today, we're going to talk about Sundays games, the whips and the archers and the Chrome and the Atlas. And then we're going to get into talking about some very specific players that I wanted to mention as having good seasons. Thus far, they had good weekends. And then we're going to get into previewing this weekend's games for the PLL. Before I get into all of that, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and you can also go to laxfactor.com, get swag hats, t-shirts, all, we have all sorts of crap. You name it, we have it. And then just regular lacrosse shirts if you want to support us that way. But mainly all we ask is that you like the video if you're on YouTube, if you're watching or listening to the audio version, uh, wherever you're listening to it, Spotify, Apple. Uh, you can also go to anchor.fm forward slash Factor, which is the audio home. So all those places you can find us pretty much anywhere where video is. Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, we upload the videos to. And then we put the podcast everywhere we possibly can. If it's somewhere where you want it to be and it's not, let us know. So That is it. Let's dive into this here. The Whipsnakes and the Archers. They played one of the the kind of uh, marquee games of the weekend. The kicker is, and I'm wondering if we're going to see a trend here, is the teams that play Friday. End up being a little bit beat up on Sunday. Now, I think the Archers fared much better Sunday, you know, playing a Friday Sunday this weekend uh, compared to like what the Whip Snakes did last week when they played Friday Sunday. The Whips by Sunday were beat. They were Rambo didn't finish the game, Williams didn't play. There was a couple other guys that didn't play because they were beat up from Friday's game. And uh, this weekend, the Archers seemed like they were a little bit better off and they played like they were a little bit better off than the Whips were here in their second game. So the whips they had to take on their equal, the archers, without Matt Rambo on Sunday. Nonetheless, and uh, but the difference this week was that the whips were rested, as I said, having played last, uh, having last played the previous Sunday. So the whips have been off for a week, but they still are without Rambo and having to take the archers on in this game. And the archers are the ones that had to double up. They played played Friday night, and uh, now they're playing against Sunday. This game did not disappoint as it went back and forth all game long and stayed right to the end. Uh, stayed tight right to the end. Archers jump out to a two zip lead, but the quarter ended tied at twos thanks to Zed Williams launching one from deep and uh, stuck a deuce on that. That, that, that ends up tying to score at twos at the end of the first quarter. And you're going to see a trend here as the game ends up being tied or close at the end of each quarter because of something that some crazy, you know, dope lacrosse player did. Score at the half was eights. The Whips had just scored Carlson on the crease. Uh, he got leveled actually to take an eight, seven lead and then with 121 left in the half, Trey LeClaire of Ohio State fame, their all-time leading scorer. He sticks his first career PLL goal on a dodge from out top through the heart of the field on the run. Very nice goal, very typical of Trey LeClaire if you watched him run around at Ohio State. Always shooting on the run, always you know step down shooting. Guy's got an absolute cannon on him. Connor Fields. He got a touch freaky and scored a nice dive goal, dodging up the right side from X. Inside rolled Charlie Hayes, number 23 for the whips, and stuck it lefty, backhanded, up high on the dive. Another really nice goal in this game. Great to see out of fields, especially, uh, but not too long after Chanichuk found Smith up on the right wing. Smith took a step upfield, stuck a jumper, kind of an awkward looking jumper. Actually, it was almost like he knew he had to get the shot off quick because he had the goalie off guard, or he just thought he had to get it off quick because that was going to be his only only opportunity. But it wasn't an an awkward jumper that he did stick, stick side nonetheless, I think. That tied it up at 11s at the end of the third. Now this game ended well. Whipped down by two late in the fourth quarter Abbott runs a little give and go with one of the polls, and I couldn't see in the replay who the pole was specifically, but he runs that that little give and go uh with a pole on a slow break, sticks one lefty from just inside the two-point line. The whips are now down 14-3 after Abbott's goal. At the other end, with just under three minutes to play in the game, Abbott was guarding Grant Amet at X. Uh, through a little one-he threw like a little one-handed slap check at Amet, caught Amet off guard And uh, strips aim at. at, I wouldn't call it a strip as much as I would call it a a check. Ball's on the deck, and then Burnlaw runs over, picks that up. Ball's now going back the other way. That was a huge play out of Abbott, who ended up having a really nice all-around game. And actually that's kind of a trend we're seeing with uh, short stick D mids and, you know, playing huge roles now in the PLL. And I think more so this year than even in previous years thus far on the ensuing possession, the whips continue their run. Chanichuk scoring on a dodge down the left alley on the run, stuck it far side pipe perfectly. And now we have a tie game towards the end of this game at 14s with under two minutes to play. And AMET feed was off the mark, which is rare, but you know, they he ends up not connecting. I forget who he was trying to feed on the crease, but high crease nonetheless. They don't connect. Ball trickles out in the backside, and it actually looks like Connor Fields picked up that GB and was about to escape, but not so. Michael Earhart doubled Fields, came up on his backside, stripped him clean, and it was a legitimate strip. Took his candy completely away. And uh, somebody picked the ball up, heads back the other way. Another late game takeaway by the Whips in a very key moment of this game. Uh, And then with 32.3 seconds left in the game, it was Jay Carlson sticking one from the heart of the crease. A feed, I think it was from Haas, if I remember correctly. And I always think it's funny when a dude will assist a goal, but then goes and celebrates with another dude that's next to him instead of going and seeking out the goal scorer. And I think that's why I was confused as to who fed. Carlson there, but I believe it was Haas, and then he just went and celebrated with someone else as Carlson came over to them. That means you're an OG when you don't even celebrate with the guy you just assisted uh, on the eventual game winning goal. For the Whips, Matt Abbott had a great game. One goal, one helper three caused turnovers, and six ground balls. I heard a lot of people talking about the great game that Tara Fanko had this weekend and kind of his breakout rookie performance. Matt Abbott, though, going for two points, three caused turnovers, and six ground balls, including that takeaway uh, of Amet at the end of that game or towards the end of that game. And I mean, that's huge. I'd say if, if you want to give an award to a short stick D mid this weekend, Abbott is right up there. I'm not saying give it to Abbott because there's actually a couple of short stick demons that had great games this weekend, but uh, Abbott right up there. Brad Smith, five points off four goals, three singles, and a deuce all in, seven shots, 57% shooting percentage, and just a single turnover. A hell of a game by Smith. Zed Williams, also not too far behind. He had a great game, four points off three goals, two singles, and a double. So 10 shots, though. So that was the only thing with Williams. It looks like, I felt like the... As I watched the game, 10 shots with a 30% shooting percentage means kind of the archers did a good job of, you know, staying on Williams, not letting him get too free, forcing him to miss the cage or to, you know, just not be able to put everything on it. That two, though, by Williams from out top was pretty crazy. I didn't, I don't know how often I've seen him do that, but I mean, he shot that one from deep. I think he had a screen and uh, he put that past Gittleman. But Gittleman made some solid saves on, on uh, Williams also. Kyle Burnlaw. He had a rough outing in cage, just four saves, 22% save percentage. The Whips defense needs some credit, though, for holding the archers back as much as they did, considering they only allowed, I believe it was, uh, I don't even know. I, mean, I was going to try to, to stake a claim. The, the way they word. Their stats, I've been automatically thinking that they were showing the shots on Cage, but they're actually showing the goal scores against. They call it SA instead of GA, so that was screwing me up. So I don't have the actual number of shots that he faced, but four saves, 22% save percentage. That is not very good. Now for the Archers, Will Manny in the loss, four goals and an assist. Tom Schreiber, two goals, two helpers. Grant Amet, two and two. Connor Fields, one and three, with only one turnover, and that's exactly what the Archers want to see out of Connor Fields as they kind of try to figure out what's his role within the offense. And my gripe with Connor Fields so far at the PLL level is he's, it's just been a story of holding the ball too much as part of dodging and going to the rack. The the one dodge, two dodge, three dodge. Um, has not been working so far for Fields. So for him to have a goal and three helpers with only one turnover, that is huge. And that is very good news for Connor Fields fans, because that's going to keep him on the field much, much longer, especially with a great team like the Archers. Adam Gittleman, decent game, 15 saves, 52% save percentage, you know, not enough to get the win, but uh, he wins the goalie battle if he's, uh, you know, if you were keeping track of that, at least. A little bit of Twitter funniness, uh, funny business that we had here also. RJ uh, Kaminsky, as you know, Kaminsky, I think it is, as you know, he has access to the locker rooms just un, you know unbridled access. The dude can just pretty much put a camera in anyone's face anywhere no matter where they are. We're listening to coaches and huddles and he's talking to people after scores and everything like that. So that part of it I love. it's definitely cool. and uh, and you know he's in the archer's locker room. And he's filming and he records Ratliff. I think it was Ratliff talking about how he's sick of Zed Williams scoring goals. And I think he said something like, I'm I'm sick of Zed Williams scoring fucking goals or something like that. And uh, I think he was calling out Graham Hossack. I always forget how to pronounce his name in a pinch. but then I hear it and I'm like, oh, boom. All right. Now I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. And then I always screw his name up. So I'm sorry, Graham, that I jack your name up whenever I say it. Uh, not that he's listening here. Anyway, is anyone even listening, as uh, Letterman used to say? Although I think that uh, that Graham did a decent job overall on Williams. I mean, Williams, he put up some points overall, but uh, you, know, you got transition, you got feeds. I mean, in the end, it wasn't like Williams tore anybody up, and if Graham uh, Hossack was covering him most of the time, I think Graham did okay. Uh, but that part was funny. He was just chirping his defense saying, we're all sick of seeing Zed Williams score. I'm sick of seeing Zed Williams score. That was funny. But then later on in the half, as he's in the Whips locker room, and Williams is coming out, and he's walking out with Williams, he ends up telling Williams what Ratliff had said in the locker room, and that had a handful of people on uh, Twitter chirping a little bit. Give it a watch here. I'm actually going to play the whole clip right out, so give it a watch and uh, let me know what you think. We're getting outworked on the ground. It's bullshit. Put your mean faces on and come out here and bully somebody. I'm sick of seeing Zed score goals, Graham. I'm sick of it. We ran right by him from behind once. I think he can run right by him back there, which is hard runs. I was just in the Archer's room. locker room and Scott Ratliff, said he was f-ing sick of Zed Williams scoring goals. So <laughs> I just figured <laughs> I'd laid that. That's all good. Man. In the end, I don't see a, a problem with it, you know, not especially not in this context. I mean, if he was, like, sharing more specific details or if he was specifically, you know, trying to say, hey, this is what they're going to do to try to bottle you up in the second half, now, obviously, that's totally out of bounds. Um, I think what got most people is most lacrosse fans are fans of other sports, especially other pro sports, and I think, I mean – if you saw this in another pro sport where someone in the locker room was going into the other locker room and then talking back and forth between what the guys had said, you'd get a lifetime ban from that team's locker room and maybe from that sports locker rooms in general. But that's not what we're dealing with here. So I don't think there's any issue here with what happened. But I do agree. I know it was what Barstool Geordie and a couple of other people had just said, ah. Not a big deal, but not the best look overall, simply because, you know, a casual fan that sees that might think, like, what the hell is that? And I think it might also call into question the competitive nature, you know, of the league and of the games if guys are just this openly sharing information between locker rooms. But I, in this, in, like I said, in this context, I don't think there's a problem at all. I thought it was pretty funny, actually. And I think that's also kind of what the league's going for. You know, there was nothing shared here. Everybody knew, everybody on planet Earth knew that the Archers were going to come out and try to stop Zed Williams from scoring because Zed Williams is their, you know, their leading scorer or one of their leading scorers anyway. So not a big deal here. So let's move on from that game. It was a good game and the trend here and why it's going to be so hard to, to predict what happens in these Sundays Sunday games where two of those teams that play on Sunday have played Friday. Very difficult to call those. Uh, I, I would always take at least covering the spread, you're going to pick an upset in terms of the odds. I would pick games on Sundays. You're more likely going to be right, at least, especially as it pertains to covering the spread. Uh, Chrome and Atlas played after that. This one didn't provide the fun that the previous game did, but still not bad overall. 3-2 at the end of the first quarter, 8-4 at the half, 12-7 at the third, and it was the slow burn to a 16-10 win. Uh, So rather than rip through this game's key moments, let's just talk about some guys that stood out Maybe they had some six scores or whatever. Uh, we'll we'll kind of go through that. Romar Dennis. Speaking of six scores, Romar Dennis uh, for the Atlas. Dude looked great. Long strides. You know, big frame, athletic as hell. Can stick the rock on the run as well as anyone that we have ever seen. There are a couple of guys that I like the way they shoot on the run. Uh, Costabile comes to mind uh shooting on the run, Chanichuk. You got a lot of these these old pros that are, are ridiculous like that. But I haven't really seen anything. I mean uh uh he ends up uh Dennis ends up sticking a two pointer on the run, running down kind of the right side, off one foot jump shot, and he buries it. He had a early in the game. He had a really nice dodge down the kind of down the middle left that he stuck it on the run. The dude, the dude can let it rip, and he doesn't need a lot of space. You give him a step or two, get his hands free, and he's moving. It makes it very difficult for goalies because he can put some heat on the ball. Uh, very good to see out of him. Brian Costabile stuck one from. Deep. I mean, I'm talking real deep, like 10, 12 yards behind the arc deep. He finishes a game with six points off four goals, three singles, and a two-pointer, and then he had a helper as well. Took nine shots and just had two turnovers, so a great game for him. He also had two cause turnovers and two GBs, so Costabile really earning his paycheck here this weekend. Great game for 2-6. He's been huge for the Atlas. Their best player to a degree in terms of scoring the rock and and making things happen. He's been consistent, and that's going to continue. Costabile, great midi out of Notre Dame. Uh, Great lacrosse player. Jeff T. he continued his transition into pro lacrosse. Not a crazy game, but a solid two goals, one assist off three shots for a 67% shooting percentage. That's not bad, very efficient. He did have three turnovers, but then he, you know, chipped in two ground balls to help with that. Given how much he's asked to feed inside, how much he's carrying the ball overall at the end of shot clock, I didn't see that closely where his turn- turnovers came into a play, uh, came into play but you can't avoid a couple of turnovers here and there. The Atlas are going to hope specifically though that he keeps that number down below his overall point production each game, which in this game, three goals or three points, three turnovers, a couple of GBs. I'd say that's okay. I would have liked to have seen him had only two turnovers with that stat line though. Trevor Baptiste, he won 15 to 24 faceoffs. That's good for 63%. He picks up nine GBs in the process and had an assist as well. That's a good outing for Baptiste overall. His win percentage this season so far, 59%. He struggled a bit versus the Redwoods and TD. No uh, the whip snakes also forty eight and forty six percent respectively against those two teams, but he's been better than sixty three percent in every other game won sixty nine percent against the cannons last weekend and then he had sixty three percent uh here against the the uh the whips no yeah no would they just play against the um archers no no, oh my gosh, my brain just broke. did you guys just see that? I just kind of stroked out on you for a second there. Uh, Against the Chrome, jeez. Okay, Danny Logan, another uh, defensive midfielder, another uh, uh, short stick midy played bonkers. Three cost turnovers, three ground balls, three points off a two point goal and an assist. uh, Only the single shot, uh, and he stuck it. Hundred percent shooting percentage and no turnovers. That's how you play short stick midfield here. uh, Overall, Danny Logan, you know, just going two ways. All day long. Not much great to say about the Chrome overall, except they were obviously gassed at times. We saw that out of both teams that had to play Friday and then play again on Sunday. And it's going to be a theme that you're just going to see all the time here. I'm sorry to keep itching my nose. I got to shave. I just hate shaving, so I don't shave a lot. And as I'm sitting here recording, my mustache is jacking up my nose here. So that means it is definitely time for a shave. I'm a disgusting uh, pig. Uh, uh, Scenone gets to start for the Chrome. Didn't have a great day. I, I presume Galloway is just, was just given rest. He's a geezer. Dude's got a 61% save percentage. So I didn't hear in the broadcast why, uh, they were sitting Galloway for the day, but I presume it's just due to his old age and his arthritis. 38% save percentage for Scannoni in the day, just eight uh, saves. Looked a bit out of sorts. Communication, they were talking about that during the game, that that's one of the big things Galloway brings. Besides the fact he's a great ball stopper, can get the ball out in transition, he's also a great communicator, a veteran. Uh, but I I wouldn't put too much on uh, Scannoni in this game. He's an incredible goalkeeper. I just think it was a, a rough day, tired defense, and people got frustrated. You could tell he was getting frustrated, though, at times, which is the only thing that worried me a little bit for the dude, but overall tough day. So not a, not the greatest game but you know still hey worth watching on a Sunday. And let's get into now talking about some random shit from this weekend's play. Ian McKay, what a great pickup he was for the Chaos, especially considering what they do overall. Now uh Joe Keegs on Twitter, he posted a quick snippet that uh, he called the Kyrie collapse of the week. And I'm going to show it here as I'm talking. And in it, he shows McKay crash a crease feed as uh, that he's the backside help. The ball's at X. McKay's the backside help out top. He's sagging down. They try to feed the crease, and McKay's right there to break it up. And uh, the ball ends up going back the other way. But what what it really illustrates is just how valuable this guy is all over the field. Over the last three games, McKay has gone for uh, in the third game against the Archers four points off two goals, both deuces, two caused turnovers, and two ground balls. Game four versus the Redwoods, one point, single goal, nothing else. Okay, maybe that one wasn't the greatest game here. Game five versus the Cannons, two points, two singles, a cause turnover, and four ground balls. More importantly, the Chaos are two and one over those last three games as they're starting to kind of find their stride both offensively and defensively, and McKay gets to state claim to helping on both sides of the field overall there. Another two-way midfielder to watch is, as I talked about earlier, Ryan Terafanko, Ohio State product, uh, monster short stick D-mid, All-American, all all that crap. He had his breakout game uh, in the PLL this weekend. He goes for three cost turnovers, six ground balls, and a helper. So far, he has a point in every game, but coming in, he only had one cost turnover and four ground balls over his first four games, and he goes for three cost turnovers and six ground balls in this game. So he eclipses his entire season stats as it pertains to cost turnovers and ground balls in this one game, and then also puts up an assist in the process as well. So his production between the boxes and on the defensive side of the field is improving. His speed shows in the clearing game. The dude's going to have an uh, incredible pro career. And more importantly, I like seeing how these two-way middies are starting to affect games at the PLL level. You have your Terrafancos and your Abbots that primarily play short stick D mid and get some runs here and there and transition on the offensive side of the ball. But I want to, you know, you're starting to see also guys like Costa and some others just do a little bit more in between the boxes and on the offensive side. So I, not necessarily two-way mids, but you're seeing a lot of middies do a lot more work. And that's, I think, partly due just to just the smaller roster sizes as well. So it's nice to see these guys get all this burn and do well all over the field. Very much uh, it feels a lot more like old school across that us geezers are used to than anything else. Side note, Rabel, he apparently gets in a scuffle. His helmet came off. He may or may not have assisted the helmet into someone else's face. I think it was Rowlett that they were saying that may have ended up got his nose busted up in the scuffle or whatnot. So it'll be funny to see. Does Rabel suspend himself? We do not I couldn't see what happened. It was from so far away. So only they know what happened. But we have the league's founder here mixing it up, huffing helmets at people and uh, causing blood to flow from other people's faces. So I'm kind of a fan of that. I think that's cool. So now let's get into this weekend's games, uh, because we got a bunch of games that are going to be played this weekend. Uh, The one I was more excited about than average, as I'm looking at the schedule here, was the second game played. I think it's the first game on Saturday, second game of the weekend, could be the second game on Friday. Actually, now I'm going to have to look here. It's going to drive me nuts. Uh, Nope. First game on uh, Saturday is the Redwoods versus the Whipsnakes. Statistically speaking, as I was kind of ripping through the preview for this one, I kind of like the Redwoods in this game, when you kind of go through their preview and you go through stat by stat by stat, the Redwoods look, you know, they match up Nicely in this one. I mean, we're looking at scores per game, both in the 12s, scores against average, both in the 12s, scores, both in the low 60s, one-point goals, both in the 50 range. Shooting percentage, the Redwoods have the edge, 31% versus the Whips, terrible 24%. Matt Rambo, thus far, has shot the ball poorly as well as part of that. Uh shots per game, this is where the whip snakes excel, 47.4%. Uh, They're they're shooting about eight shots more per game than the Redwoods are. Face-off percentage favors the woods. Save percentage favors the woods. Yet, despite all of the statistical categories favoring the woods, the fans are picking the Whip Snakes 66% to 34%. Now, this is one of those ones where I look at this game and it's like, man, if I got to pick an upset this weekend, even though this is only really an upset on paper, no one's going to be real surprised if the Redwoods come in and win. But I still think many are going to consider it an upset if the Redwoods win. I, I, I'm i taking the Woods in this one. Now, that could be totally stupid. And as you all know, I am absolutely the worst person at predicting outcomes on the face of the planet Earth. It's like uh, it's, as the savant that I am in terms of watching lacrosse and being able to look at these teams and decide who's good, who's not, it absolutely does not play in a league like this. It really didn't even play in college across for the most part um, because there was a lot of parody there as well. But anywhere where parody exists, you can pretty much count me out and I will always get it wrong. Uh, But I am going to take the woods in this one. I, I like that matchup overall. The reason kind of being I like TD... I think the faceoffs are going to be more of a wash than people think here. I like TD at winning more draws than Nardella overall in this game, but Nardella is going to equalize it by creating on the offensive side. He'll if you lose if TD wins sixty wins the faceoff sixty percent to forty percent, but Nardella puts up a point or two, then that's a wash overall in terms of the possessions because of the shot clock and all that crap. So I do think that Nardella is going to equalize whatever um, burn TD puts on him. I like what both teams do on attack. I like the Woods' mids a little bit better overall. And I dare say I almost like the Whips' attack a little bit better as long as Rambo's playing, but I, you can't go wrong with what the Woods are doing on attack right now. I think the Woods' close D holds up against the Whips on paper as well. I do like Burnlore over Troutner. A little bit though, despite the save percentages not being quite quite right, I, th- I like Burnlaw as a team leader as a scrapper. So I think that's a tough one to call. But as I said, I'm going with the Woods by a single goal in this one, nonetheless. Now let's go into the first game of the weekend. This is the Friday night game, 8 p.m. Uh, let's see here. We got the Water Dogs and the Cannons. Water Dogs two and three, Cannons one and four. And statistically speaking, huh? I like the Water Dogs and this is another one of those ones where I mean despite the Cannons being one and four statistically on paper overall I mean they they look like the better team where they're really uh, having a hard time face-off percentage. They've they only won 36% of their draws. The water dogs, not a whole lot better, 45%, but that's still better. But uh, you know, overall, the cannons are going to shoot the ball better. I'm going to go with the cannons in this one, despite the records and all that crap. I think the cannons are, obviously, they're going to be a little bit hungrier at this stage. They got to get a win. So I'm going to go with the cannons winning this one and improving their record to two and five and dropping the water dogs to, uh, no, to two and four and dropping the water dogs to two and four as well. So that's what we'll do there. And we have the next game on Saturday, 6 p.m., Redwoods versus the Whip Snakes. And that's the one I already talked about. That's actually the first game on Saturday. Second game on Saturday, Atlas versus the Chaos. And, you know, we got the Atlas at 3-2, and two, Chaos at 2-3, and three, both right now playing good lacrosse. Overall, if you look at that line, Atlas score a few more goals, but the Chaos keep a couple more off of the board. Uh, so do do one point goals shots per game. Yeah. I mean, on paper, the only thing that the chaos have going for them is they play better defense and they have a, their keeper, you know, and, uh, um, Reardon has a, a 61% save percentage. So that isn't too bad in this one though, because both of these teams playing on rest, I'm going to actually pick, Oh, we're going to go with the Atlas. I think they're flowing a little bit more offensively. I think the Chaos are probably going to do a good job defensively. I think we'll have a nail biter, but I think the Atlas will end up pulling this off in the end. Boom. I picked that one once again if I pick something probably pick against me. First game Sunday Chrome against the Water Dogs. Chrome 2 and 3, Water Dogs 2 and 3. Neither of them will be that by the time they hit this game here. And again, the Water Dogs are going to be one of the teams that are already playing. They're going to have played Friday night. I think they're actually this weekend the only team that plays Friday night. So, Chrome, Water Dogs, both teams two and three, both teams pretty well matched up. The Chrome play much better defense than the Water Dogs do, or at least they have in terms of their scores against average. Water Dogs are going to fill up the cage a little bit more. I think in this one, though, Chrome better goalkeeper overall, or at least in terms of their save percentage and what they've done. That also translates to, I think the Chrome have a much better defense than the Water Dogs. Uh Fit, you know, a little bit better at the faceoff dot, a little bit better in the shooting percentage, but we're talking by 1%. I'm going with the Chrome to win this one. And I'm guessing you're going to see Galloway back in cage again for the Chrome. And then we go cannons, archers, the end of the weekend here. It is a night game actually being played on Sunday, 7.30 PM faceoff on Sunday cannons archers cannons one and four archers three and two cannons the other team that had to play friday night against the water dogs uh and so obviously neither of them are going to be at at these or at least the cannons aren't going to be at this record here Come that Archer is going to be on, on rest, so I mean it, it's a no brainer. I'm taking the Archers all day in this one. Statistically speaking, as you're looking at it, the 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 cannons, what they do the worst is play defense. The cannons play almost no defense. They don't. It, it's one might say they might not really even be trying on the defensive side of the ball, giving up 13.2 goals per game, but they're scoring 13. You know, uh, they, like I said, they shoot the ball well. Uh, their their midfield's been solid, uh, but I still the Archer's on rest. Cannon's playing on Friday night, so I think the Archers are going to win this one, probably by a margin three, five goals somewhere in that area. So that's it. That's our preview for those games coming up here. Uh, We'll probably talk a little bit more about rookies again on Sunday's episode. We'll recap Friday and Saturday's games. So We'll talk about the three games that are played before Sunday. And then again, we'll rinse, rinse and repeat. New schedule. I keep shifting things on you, but finally I'm getting back to two a week. So we're going to go continue to go Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday. And I may throw in a bonus video, video or two on a Friday, but we'll see how that goes. So that's it. For this episode, we talked about everything I need to talk about. As always, you can go to laxfactor.com, get t shirt swag, and all that. Be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, share the crap out of this video. If you're listening, share. Continue to listen, uh, engage. You can go to anchor.fm forward slash lax factor and you can uh, chirp us there. You can send us audio messages and things like that through anchor.fm forward slash lax factor or just hit us up on social media. If you have questions that you want me to answer on the show, send those over too. I'm really bad at breaking things up and doing segments and I've always been bad at that. I've just been better about picking some topics and rambling. So uh, as we do the PLL more and more, I'm going to try to start kind of coming up with a formula, segmented formula for the show. So we'll, we'll try to get there, but you know, thank you for suffering through all this with me. So that is it. I will be back Sunday morning to recap the first three games of the weekend. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching and Hoost is out.